Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your hosts, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week, we review the Sabbath School lesson titled, A Step in Faith. Let's learn about how God's love draws us closer to Him and those around us as we review the lesson for Sabbath, September 26. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, Together, we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, so this is the last lesson of the quarter, uh, a step in faith for September 26th, and our memory text comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, one of my favorite passages that helps me to develop my character and realize how far I'm not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it says this in New King James Version. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. What a beautiful, uh, we're actually told that this is a hymn uh, and uh, describing the condescension of Jesus from heaven to earth. Yeah, and I know you're going to get into it here in just a second. Of, mm-hmm. I encourage our readers, go back and read all of Philippians chapter 2 and realize the, the power and the grace and the might, but also the calling that God places on our lives of recognizing the mindset of the world versus the mindset of Christ. Yeah, and we definitely need that mindset today. Yeah, definitely. So this gives into uh, Jesus' sacrifice, uh, self-sacrificing love, which is Sunday's lesson, which covers the rest of Philippians 2, 5 through 11. So Michael, share with us. Yeah, well, this is uh, just a beautiful, again, as I mentioned, it's a hymn. It's a description of who Christ is and his way of thinking. I was just in a, a class with our Christian theology students. Uh, we were discussing about the Trinity and how this divine person, uh, but all three uh, persons of the Trinity uh, are, can be described, you know, the Bible says God is love as having this component of love. And so this kind of describes a little bit of, of how this love is manifested in just tangible form. And uh, I'm going to be reading from the New Living uh, Translation. Uh, and the, the chapter, chapter 2, is interesting. They've actually titled it. I mean, this is the, the chapter subject headings aren't, aren't necessarily back to the time of the New Testament. <laughs> but this, the translator is looking for themes, right? Yes. It says, have the attitude of Christ. Mm, I like that. That's good. It's really good. So we, we need, sometimes we need a, what we call an attitude adjustment. <laughs> uh, you sound like my wife right now. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, we both got kids, so we know what that, yes. what that is, right? Yes, yes, yes. And so I'm just going to quickly read through verses uh, 5 through 11. It's just so powerful. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Mm. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So, you know, this is just sharing with us eternal truths. God's revealing to us 
what the plan of redemption, what that love actually looks like in a very real kind of way, that that meant Jesus coming to this earth to die for you and me for our sins so that we can have life eternal with him. You know, I, I, I like the fact that he called this self-sacrificing love mm-hmm. because a lot of times we want the benefits of God without the sacrifice of what mm-hmm. it takes to mm-hmm. have him in our lives, which is we have to die to self. Yeah. Which is why the the apostle puts there, let this mind be in you, as is also in Christ Jesus, which is our choice. Yeah. But we have to make that choice. And it's not an easy choice, right? No. But self has to die so Christ can live. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and that love, you know, is different than human love. We were yes. talking in theology class about different kinds of ways yeah. of comparing um, is God exactly like us? Well, no, he's no, not. He's not. We're his creatures. But he does reveal enough that is revealed to us that we can have some kind of idea. And so there is this uh, correlation between human love and divine love. Uh, There's enough that we see of that, that that God reveals himself through that selfless, self-sacrificing kind of love. It's not something that we naturally have. No, it's not. Is not, and it's but something that he can he can do for us, and which can give us, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think Monday's lesson gives us a little hint on how we can get that kind of love, and it's simply by answering a call. Okay. Um, uh, Monday's lesson, which mm-hmm. is commitments call, Matthew four eighteen through twenty, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll go ahead and read that. I, I know it's a short passage, but there's so much packed into this. Once again, it's Matthew four eighteen through twenty, and it says here in New King James Version. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I say there's so much packed in there because you see this word immediately. They didn't think about it. They immediately dropped those things. They followed him. Mm. And uh, the the editor asked this question, what in the text indicates that Jesus was calling them to a higher purpose than catching fish? Well, he asked them to become fishers of men. Mm. But there is something said. Uh, I read this in Desire of Ages earlier earlier this month, as a matter of fact, that in the Savior's voice was mm. this beckoning call. They, they recognized in his demeanor and his voice mm-hmm. that there was more being asked of them. And that's mm. why they dropped their nets and they followed him. It's in wow. the chapter called The Invitation. It's beautiful. Wow. I, my favorite quote in that same book is where she talks about how love awakens love. By oh, love is love awakened. Yes, you know? yes. And, I love that one as well. Uh, you know, that's the same idea of God. We respond. Yeah. yeah. And so, so when Christ is still calling us to become fishers of men, mm-hmm. but are we willing to immediately follow him? Are we willing to drop the things that we need to drop mm-hmm. and follow him for them? It ultimately, it meant death, not just self-sacrificing uh, death, but it meant physical death for them. And they yeah. still said, Jesus, we're worth, you're worth following no matter what. Uh, it goes on Matthew 4, verse 9, uh, Matthew 9, verse 9, I should say, mm-hmm. Matthew, the tax collector. He tells mm-hmm. him to come follow me and he arose and he followed him. Wow. And we see there he called even a sinner. <laughs> mm. He calls us sinners and it's not just calling us to make us fish for men. He's calling us to become more like him, mm. to give up our worldly ambitions and pursuits and follow him in the love and the sacrifice that he has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I, I love how when God calls us like that, it kind of segues into Tuesday's lesson about uh, looking at the Apostle Paul, how God chooses us. And, yes. And God chooses his chosen vessels, to use the, the biblical terminology there. Um, and so when we surrender, um, we, we put 
God first and say, hey, I, I'm going to make that jump. I'm going to make that step, <laughs> and I'm willing to do it. Yeah. Um, sometimes God can surprise us. And, and, and here we have the story, amazing story of um, Saul, before he's actually Paul, mm-hmm. on the road to Damascus. And he was kind of not expecting that, but very sincere. And sometimes God has to get our attention in some very dramatic ways. And this is, I, I think, about as dramatic as it gets. <laughs> he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's like, what? who Who are you, Lord? And, and he has to, and there he is, revealed. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Mm. And I love how Jesus can take somebody that's actually literally persecuting the early Christian church and take him into, to become an uh, an apostolic giant yes. spreading the gospel. Uh, one of the greatest evangelists this world has ever seen, right? Yeah. <laughs> so amazing how God, and, and it shows us that we should have an attitude of humility, I think, when we look around at other people, how could God use that or, or whatever, you know? And, and God may have a funny way of surprising us because, you know, um, God's no respecter of persons. He, he he is at the end of the day trying to reach all of our hearts and lives, whatever way that he can, if if we'll just respond. You, you know, I, I want to speak to the audience real quick and just say, you know, a lot of times we like to measure things by the greatest, and Paul is the greatest of evangelists. But God calls all of us to yes. to do our parts, mm-hmm. and he he considers the least, right? Yeah. But even the least of the greatest is actually doing great things for Jesus Christ. That means everyone is following in the self-sacrifice. Everyone's following in the commitments call and everyone's God's chosen vessel, right? God, God's calling all of us. And, and so here we have, uh, Paul doing that. And, and by the way, his story wasn't always easy either. (laughs) No, 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 no. I, 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 I can't stand reading the the portion, uh, and the, uh, I mean, I believe it was Corinthians where he's talking about how many times he was flogged and shipwrecked and he was bitten by a snake and all these different, bring up that snake. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, that, that's everyone wants Paul, but no one wants Paul's responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it wasn't always easy. I, I don't know. I shudder at the snake because here in Texas, those of you that are listening, we had uh, went for a walk and saw two copperheads the other Ooh. night. And I'm just like, oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, thankful for how God, how he allowed God to work in his life. And uh, pretty amazing. And, and stayed steadfast right to the end, you know. Very true. And, uh, and died a martyr's death effectively. Uh, but in, even in the testimony of his blood and the blood of the other apostles, that as some of the early Christians said that that was the seed uh, that through which the church was birthed, you know. Yeah. So uh, what happens? Uh, what ha- happens next? Uh, we've surrendered. Here we have the example of uh, Paul, uh, but then we have uh, what you know. The, how does this impact uh, and demand something of us? Yeah, this demands of uh, love, right? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we talked about the self-sacrificing love. We called, talked about the call and the commitment. God's chosen vessel. But now there's a demand. And this Mm. is Peter right after he has denied Jesus three times. And Jesus and Peter meeting there on on those banks. And now it's time for to come face to face with what's happening here. John chapter 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Mm. Well, those of you who have heard the story before... Uh, he asked him three more times, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he repeats, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And we find Jesus' response here, uh, verse 18. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But you, where, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands 
and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And he spoke this signifying what death he would glorify God with what uh, death he would glorify God. Mm. And he had, and when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Wow. So ultimately this is what Christ is asking us to do. Do you love me? If you do follow me, well, how do I follow you? By taking care of my sheep. Mm. When you've done it, one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Right? So the way that we make amends with God oftentimes is by following the footsteps of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. which is what he do while he's here. He, he sought after and he, and he looked for those who were lost and he took care of them. And that's what he's asking us to do as well. I like the, uh, the and there was a guy that was in the 1890s developed a phrase called, what would Jesus do? It's yes. Sheldon, we think it's more of a, a recent thing. Actually, no, it's, it's from quite a long time ago, but I love to think of that question sometimes. So I'm going through my day. What would Jesus do if he were right here yes, in my situation, yes. you know? You know, I, I thought you made a mistake there. I said, don't you mean 1990 when they came out with the bracelets? <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, I should have left it to the story and who knows the background he, though, where that came. going in cycles. Yes, no? it does. Yes, yeah. it does. All right. So how about now? Because uh, I, I don't want to steal your thunder on this. but No, that's all right. Uh, Go for it. No, no. John 21, 18 and 19 is mm-hmm. talking about love's commitment. What is What is that talking about? Yeah, beautiful uh, passage uh, of Jesus here uh, right after he comes to Peter. And he's right at the end uh, with this kind of going back and forth. Do you love me? Do you love me? And then right here at the end after that, he's like, of course, uh, I love you. He says, then feed my sheep. And he says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Um, not the kind of passage that we like to think about. Uh, no, it's not. To age and get it's old. And, and then finally here, verse 19, then Jesus said to <clears throat> Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me yeah follow me so very simple uh but like you said earlier buster that if if you know jesus it's not just a feeling kind of thing he also asks us to make a commitment to make a decision there's something on our part that a response that has to happen there you you know uh uh, there's a, a sermon that i heard by an evangelist uh, by the name of david machado when he preached his sermon I mean, it touched a lot of our theology guys. We were doing field school of evangelism at the time, and mm-hmm. the, uh, the sermon was buried alive. He went to Romans 6 and talked about how a lot of people were supposed to be buried into his death and rise again. He says a lot of people were buried alive, and they rose up. They brought themselves back. Ooh, <laughs> mercy. And, and so the, it's, it's asking here about the cost of discipleship. Mm-hmm. The cost of discipleship is, is death, yeah. right? It's yeah. death to our old ways and becoming that new creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, we want to take our, our character baggage with us and make it to heaven. Yeah. And God is saying, no, I, I need you to sacrifice all of that. I need you to give it, give it up for me. Not saying that you'll be perfect, but be willing to give it up. Be willing to die to self so you can live in me. Yeah, it's it's this uh, matter of, of sacrifice, of commitment, and uh, this this response that Jesus wants to work in and through us. I, a- I like amen. That. Uh, and then in addition to that, um, the lesson refers to 1 John chapter 3, <clears throat> verses uh, 16, and eight, 16 through 18. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how could God's love be in that person? Dear children, 
Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. And our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we will be confident when we stand before God. Mm. I'm going to knock your socks off here. You, <laughs> you, know? You, you know what, Michael? I have, I have to make a, uh, an admission to a mistake I made here. Yeah. When I was going through this, I quickly glanced over that. I just thought it said John 3, 16 through 18. Oh. Right? <laughs> it's like, for God so love it. Because the next question is, uh, love is more than a vague abstraction. What does John define love's ultimate sacrifice? Oh, it's Jesus on the cross. It but was. It is, but... And I think of Stephen Covey's words, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders. Mm -hmm. Love is an action. Love mm -hmm. is a verb, right? It's not a feeling. It's not emotion. So we have to choose to love and follow it up with action. Yeah. Jesus gave his life. Here, he's asking us to follow it up with doing things for our brothers and sisters. That's love in action. Love it. Love it. Well, uh Praise God for that love that he revealed himself and that you and I, all of us and our listeners, we have the opportunity to respond um, in action. Right now, that looks probably a little bit differently than Oof. other times, you know. Uh, but what I love is I, I keep remembering the early Christian church. You know, there was uh, terrible pandemics that were going on in the first century. Uh, but one of the things that made Christians stand out is even if at the risk of their life, they would minister and take care of one another. Whereas other people just fled and isolated, and I'm not saying that's not a bad thing to do either if you yeah. can, but a lot of most only the rich could do that, and so everyone else is left behind. And who's going to take care of each other? And people were shocked in the midst of terrible pandemics. Some people, historians estimate, could have wiped out half the empire wow. uh, very, very easily, and did. Yeah, yeah, uh, they did. But and, and but Christians were willing to say, hey, you know, I need to take care of those people, those that are destitute or being basically that are sick and ill uh that means we we live and act differently and and people notice that they noticed that in the first century and yeah. by god's grace you know hopefully god's people at the end of time that's that's what our mission is is to live out the reality yeah. of god's love in our lives too you know a correlation just came to me right now though michael mm -hmm. um a lot of people want church for what it can do for them Ooh. but god has called us to want church to see what we can do for others yeah and there's a big difference there. The disciples were not saying, we want to go back to church because we're lonely. No, they're saying, we, we want to go do the will because we want to grow the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's a big difference between me wanting to go to church because it's what's comfortable and what feels good. Yeah. And me going to church to actually be of service that God has called me to be. You know, I wonder if maybe uh, in, in some way God could use this pandemic right now to kind of wake us up to say get out of our comfort zone yes and and maybe that church isn't just all about me no that maybe you know if that means doing church a little bit differently or even while not having church i mean i i've been reading some of the pew research and some of these other where they're saying some people's spirituality is actually increased by yes. not having church yes, it is. which yeah as a pastor i feel a little uncomfortable <laughs> with that hey you know what it what, whatever whatever the Spirit is doing, yeah. allow the Spirit to do, right? Right now I have about four Bible studies going, with mm -hmm. some some of which don't feel comfortable going to church. Wow. But they're saying we want more of Jesus, right? Sensing that need. Yeah, exactly. And, and we're hoping to get some things set up where, you know, maybe they're meeting outside for church mm -hmm. in a smaller groups. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But God has called us to still move and work for, for His will. So maybe this can help wake us up and say, hey, maybe we need to think about uh, how we're doing church and what church is all about so that whatever it is, that it ultimately it comes back to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I think that puts a wrap for another week. I, I believe so as well. And a quarter. Yes, and a quarter. So this is Soup. And Swoops. Signing, signing out. out. 
As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personable colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.